open your Bibles to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, I want to hear those pages turn. And Nehemiah, or this thumb squeaking. I like this sound a little better than the squeaking thumb. But like I told you last week, I'm, cha- I'm, I'm, I'm starting to change my preaching style to a, to a degree. We're going to be reading large chunks of Scripture a lot more. Because I'm, just, I'm enjoying letting the word speak for itself. And uh, we'll bring in some different things, but I, I want to I talk about Nehemiah. Today's message is called, Do Something. Do Something. God wants, what is God, the, whole, the whole series is predicated on the question, is what does God want from us? What does God want from us? God wants you to be on mission. Big idea for this story is this, this was week. God wants every one of his children to get fired up about something that ignites a holy mission. Everyone. I'm going to prove it to you today. Okay? Something that you can look back at the end of your lives and say, that was worth giving my life for. So many people think of Christianity as a boring slog of day-by-day rule-keeping and self-denial. I'm talking about Christians. (laughs) Many Christians think that. It's a day-to-day slog of of rule-keeping and self-denial. Maybe your Christianity is boring because you haven't ignited your Christianity into something that is worth taking a risk for. We're so risk-averse. Might it be that Christianity itself is actually not boring? But that we are so risk-averse that we don't even truly experience the thrill and the danger of living a life fully committed to the work of the kingdom? Isn't it just possible? Because if you look at the scriptures, and you look at the first Christians, and then the prophets and the, the, the people before them, it doesn't seem boring. It actually seemed kind of dangerous. It actually seemed kind of uh, transient. People were going everywhere, doing all kinds of stuff. Christianity was never meant to be this sedentary, rule-keeping, boring existence. And I really feel like the next generation needs to catch a passion for what true Christianity is, and they're not going to catch it from the media. They're not going to catch it from video games. They're going to catch it from moms and dads who are fired up about something that ignites a holy mission. And then they're going to take it, and they're going to go a whole, a whole other farther step than we would ever dream. You see, I believe that children are our future. Teach them well, and let them... Um, uh, I think, Mike, I think you're just a little shorter than I am. Just a hair. Got to get that up. All right. Let's get excited. Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 1. This first section is called Be Moved. And I'm going to read a large section of Scripture, so I'm actually going to sit down and just read it to you. Did you know that D.L. Moody, the great preacher, didn't stand. Oh, that's not going to work. Uh, he didn't stand. That's not going to work. 
Uh, that's the short one. Where's my, long, where's my tall one? Um, he didn't stand and preach. And he didn't, you know what he did? He wrote out his sermons. And he wrote them out. And he sat behind a big desk type pulpit and read them. That's what he did. People said he was probably one of the most boring, he wasn't no Billy Sunday throwing chairs around and stuff, you know. But he packed a place because it was the word. So here we go. We're going to read uh, 1, 1 through 11. A lot of ones there. And the word, words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Sheslev. Uh, How many times did I practice that word and I still got it wrong? Sheslev. In the 20th year, as I was in, the, in Susa, in the citadel, and Hanani, one of the, my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning, the, and concerning Jerusalem. Verse 3, and they said to me, the remains there, uh, the remains there, excuse me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile, is in great trouble and shame. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Okay. Listen to his response to hearing this. He starts getting fired up. As soon as I heard this, verse 4, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you, uh, before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very uh, corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commands and do them, you're out, though, you're out, though your outcasts are in the utmost parts of the heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are servants, they are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by the great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who de delight to fear your name and give a success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Okay, stop. Don't read the next word. You'll ruin it. I want you to, I want you to catch this for a second here. Nehemiah was moved deeply in his soul toward the plight of the people in Jerusalem. He was moved. It, it, it broke him. When was the last time you were broken over something? When was the last time 
you couldn't get something out of your head, but you were praying about it day and night. I don't think we, we, we feel that way about the rule-keeping or about, you know, I probably should attend a service here and there. Oh, COVID. Maybe not. I, I do, I, it doesn't stir me. Does that stir you? I, it doesn't stir me to just keep the rules. How many, like, rule keepers in here are like, just jazz. Man, I'm a rule keeper. I love to keep those rules. There are some of you. I know there are. You and I did not get along well in high school. Lisa was that. I mean, anyway, um, and we get along great. But uh, the idea is this. It's, it, that's, not, that's not exciting. What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you experienced that gets you mad? That fires you up? That causes you angst through the night? There was a, I read a book a few years ago. Uh, entitled Just Courage, and it was um, written in support of the International Justice Mission. I don't know if you're familiar with that organization. Awesome, awesome organization. And after reading this book um, where the author goes and just tells everybody about modern-day slavery, I was floored. Floored. It, it weighed on me for days. It just, it just bothered me. I couldn't get these mental images out of my mind of these poor girls in these brothels, drugged and abused. And they're like 12 and 13. It's still, oh, it's still start kicking me off when I just talk about it right now. Or, 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 or children who are sold into slavery and they, from the moment that they're, listen, we're going even younger here. We're talking like six, five and six years old. Making bricks, carrying bricks from sunrise or before sunrise until after sunset and that's their life. No toys, no playing, no learning, no nothing. And after I read that, I would encourage every one of you to read that book. It is, it's, it's, it's troubling. Uh, I'm having a hard time. I'll get it to you later. Just Courage. Look that up. Great book. Great book in the sense of, like, it's going to bother you. Look, look what happens here. He goes to God. He gets, he gets, he gets troubled in soul. And then he, he, he moves. He gets moved and he moves to God. And then what happens? He says, now I want you to bless me as I go to the man. <laughs> now, I, he was a cupbearer to the king. Well, he had a job already. I, 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 this is where I come up and I say, listen, I know you're thinking, Pastor, it's so easy for you. That's your job to do these types of things. Yep, it's my job. But I, if I just do this and I don't move outside of my profession and, and find something that moves me on another plane, then I'm, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian. If I just solidify my, you know, that's, you know my, 
I do it for work. That's why that, that, that uh, book just spoke to me. But here's the thing. We all, as Christians, need to be looking for a second job. We need to be looking for a second job. He was a cupbearer. I guess he was a pretty good cupbearer. I don't know how, you know. Typically, the cupbearer to the king was actually not just somebody who carried a cup, but it actually was a taste tester. So if he kills over, because someone is trying to kill the king, the king's like, I don't think I'm going to drink that vintage. Anyway, Nehemiah was moved in his soul toward the plight of his people. This reality moved him to action. See, we often, you know, you can watch the news and get all upset. Right, Mom? <laughs> Mom knows that in our family, that's just Tuesday. <laughs> we could get really upset. But if that's as far as it goes, then all it is is, is, is ruining this. If we don't put it into action, we don't do something, then it's not productive. He did something. It, it made him move to action. He, we see him go to God with, with this passion. He asks for forgiveness of sins. Then he, this is what God does. Then he holds up God's promises to God. Gutsy. But not really, because that's why they're there. He, he lifts up God's promises to God. He said, this is what you said, God. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what you said. If, if we do this, you will do that. He holds up God's promises to God. Now that seems arrogant, but it's not. That's what God gave them for. Yet that is not where he ends. He doesn't just end with amen. You get this? So many Christians end with the word amen. As if the word amen, which means so be it, let it be, is like the end. Oh, so be it. Okay, what's for dinner? No. His passion compels him to prayer, which moves him to action. He's ready to take on a second job. Next section in here is called move. Be moved and then move. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6 says this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, he took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now he had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face so sad? I love that. Why is your face sad? What's wrong with your face? <laughs> Seeing you are not sick, this is nothing but the sadness of the heart. Now, I've been told I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes not a good thing. I'm not good at hiding how I feel. But here's the thing. This was not, he was, he was such a good cupbearer. You know what a good cupbearer does? He blends into the furniture. You don't notice the cupbearer. It's just there's, there's, there's wine there when your hand goes out. Bam. He's like a glorified end table. Today, something's different. Something's different. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Good idea first. Asking a question. Why should 
my face be, not be sad, when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven in that moment. Okay, okay, this is it. This is the moment. Help me, God. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. Hold the phone. What gives this guy the delusion that he thinks a tenure as a cupbearer makes him qualified to rebuild walls? He, he, knows, he knows inside of him that this is what God has called him to do. And he's not going to let his past or his, what, he's, what he's felt capable of doing hold him back. I've talked to many young people who have said, I feel God is calling me into the ministry. But. It's sad right there. There's a really, really great passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The cupbearer can be the wall builder. And he steps out in faith. I think, that's, I think it's important to understand. Verse 6, and the king said to him, he said to me, the queen sitting by his side. I think that's interesting. We're not going to get into that today. But many scholars believe that that is in there because it's referencing a particular queen, and we all know what queen that, Queen Esther. Okay? Many scholars believe that it's either the queen, it's either Queen Esther as the queen, or it's Artaxerxes was also a name given to the um, Ahasuerus' son who ruled after him. So it might be the queen mother. Other, other scholars debate, say that's not who it is. But, it would be cool. I think it would be cool. Why else would it be? I don't know. How long will you be gone? I love the king's response. He goes, I need to go back to Jerusalem. And I could, it just makes sense that the queen's sitting there going, okay, how long are you going to be gone? You're the best cup bearer I've ever had. I can't lose you, man. How long are you going to be gone? And every indication says that um, in the in the te- in the study of it, there's an indication that Nehemiah was gone for about 10 years. He gave a 10-year period of time, um, as we see through other, other uh, texts. Um, he says, how long will you be gone, and what will you, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. I love this. It pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Not only did he send, not only did he send him, but he sent him with letters of writ, proclaiming that now Nehemiah was a provisional governor. He went from cupbearer to governor. Now we'll learn later on that the governor's position here was a position of power. And Nehemiah could have kept that power. 
But he didn't. He used his influence to accomplish the goal, the passion, the mission that God had placed on his heart. Okay. How are we doing on time? This may be a two-week sermon. I don't know. Uh, this next section I want to title this. Movement. Movement causes unrest. Movement causes unrest. Ever pick up that thing that you haven't touched in like four years? What happens? Unless you're really tidy in your house. It's covered in dust. And the dust, and you sneeze. The other night, we were, Lisa and I were taking, we were, we were, the kids like to do this thing. They like to uh, get on the computer and just go through the photos we've taken over the years. So we'll say, okay, what age do you want to look at when, when you're this age and what time of year? So it'll be like, uh, when I was two and at Christmas. So we'll, get the, we'll all sit around the computer and do this. It's like, remember, slide, remember the slides? It's kind of the same thing. So this week when we got home, we were talking, because we were over vacation, we were talking about what vacation looked like before they were born. <sighs> so we said, let's get out the photo boxes. We didn't get a digital camera until way long. I mean, we, we just didn't have one. We had real photos. It was amazing. There's so many pictures in there that you should just throw away because they're awful. They're overexposed. They're just terrible. But that was it. You didn't know what you were getting until it came back in the mail. The whole roll, black. The lens cap was on. Why is he telling you this? Okay, let me get to the point. Um, so we took the box down, which we haven't touched in a long time, and we put it out on the table, and... About three or four minutes into looking at these pictures, every single one of my children and my wife are sneezing uncontrollably. I'm like, I'm like, guys, can you stop? It was like getting on my nerves. I'm like, go blow your nose, do something. What the? Yeah, everybody, it's like they, these things had collected so much dust and there was so much on them and they were so that because the movement created unrest. And when we move, things become. That's why people are averse to change. Because change causes things to, to move around. We don't, we don't like it. It becomes unsettling. Okay? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. The letters of writ. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat... The Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, uh, servants heard this. It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. They didn't like it. There's some unrest. They were opposed by the local provisional governors. Now, this is interesting. This is full circle. The Moabites and the Ammonites were two of the people groups God had given, uh, driven from the promised land for the Israelites. It was the, one of the, those people groups. Sanballat was from the city of Hor, Hornem, a Moabite city, 
and govern the area west of the Jordan. So we got Moabites, right? Um, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was the governor on the east side of the Jordan. So we have <laughs> Jerusalem here. We got Samblat and Tobiah. And they are not happy because they are ruling this area. And now this other regional governor comes in right into the center. Okay? Um, generations after Israel had first possessed the promised land, some of their old enemies were back, seeking, seeking to keep Jerusalem in ruins. Have you guys read the paper lately? Some things never change. Did you know, did you know, I don't maybe you didn't know this, but there's like a historic peace agreement being hashed out right now in the Middle East? Did you, did you know that? Like, like, like historic. There's not much news on it. It's, his, it's, it's crazy. If you start looking at what's being done right now in, in, in Jerusalem, in, in, in the Holy Land, crazy. Get ready, man. Times are short. See, the Israelites, the Jews in the area were not allowed to make improvements to their city and their walls. Under the, under the uh, original governors, they were not allowed to. Though they were allowed to return from exile because the king said they could, they were not given the resources to live freely in their home. Movement begets movement. Think about the laws of motion. Thinking we'll stay at rest. Things at rest will remain at rest unless moved on by an outside object, right? So when you move, you start movement. Right? Understand that? It's a law... That I don't quite understand, but it is a law. Nehemiah 2.17. See, this movement is positive, and it's also negative. 2.17. Then I said to them, the Jews, he's talking to the Jews, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with the gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been put upon my, uh, me for good and also for the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Nehemiah moved, people are moving. If you move, people will move with you. If you do something, you will cause unrest. Some people will move with you, and other people will not. Here we go. Uh, so they strengthened their hands to the work. Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9. Flip over a couple pages. 4, 7 through 9. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem, was going forward, and that the breaches were being, uh, beginning to be closed, they were very angry. So you got people who are for you, you got people against you. Get ready for it. Don't be surprised by it. If we don't do something for the simple fact that we might get pushback, then you're never going to do anything. Because when you move, it causes unrest. Movement begets movement, positive and negative. There's no way we can faithfully do something of significance for the kingdom and expect there to be no opposition. 
the ruler of this world is absolutely against you. Just like here. Okay? So that's what's going on. They're getting angry. And they all plotted against, uh, together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Here again, you see, we go to God and you do something. Go to God, pray, and move. Do something. We are so accustomed to just ending our passions at the word amen. Yes, pray. Yes, seek God. Yes, all those things. But then you got to do something. You've got to be faithful. It's called faithfulness. Verse 16, from that day on, half of my servants worked on the construction and half held spears, shields and bows and coats of mail. And the leaders stood beyond, uh, behind the whole house of Judah who were building the walls. Those who carried burdens, I love this imagery, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way, they, had a, they loaded in such a way that each labored on the work one hand with one hand and then held a weapon in the other. I would be right-handed, so I'd be holding my bricks on this side, my stones on this side, and my sword in this hand. And that's how we work. That's how we work. We, are, we work positively, and we work against the negative. Got to have it. Got to have both sides. Okay? Um, five times, Sanballat and Tobiah sent for him to come down and meet with them. Like, Nehemiah, come on. We're the, we're, we, we are your colleagues here. Come talk to us. Tell us what you're doing. Let's, let's, let's make an agreement. Let's, let's make a treaty here. Let's, let's do this. Five times they did it. They accused him of inciting a rebellion against King Artaxerxes, the guy who sent him there to do this job, of setting himself up as a king, inciting rebellion and setting himself up as a king, of appointing prophets to prophesy of his rise to kingship. They're saying, you, you got these people. We, we know. We, we know your mind. You've, you've hired people who are prophets, and they're, they're going around telling everybody that you're the new king. We know you're doing this. They're trying to get in his head. You see this? They even paid a prophet to go and prophesy against him in order to make him second guess his calling. Oh, that's, the, that's one of the greatest works of the devil. And those are some of the hardest, hardest times. I've been there. They cut so deep when somebody who is a man or woman of God that you thought was a man or woman of God, comes to you and totally destroys what you know God has called you to. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts real bad. They threatened to send word to the king full of these lies if he wouldn't come down to meet with them. See, there was fake news back then. But Nehemiah knew they just wanted to harm him and cause the work to stop. Each time they threatened him, he replied in the same way. And I'm telling you, folks, 
This is where we need to stand as believers in Jesus Christ. We need to say this. I am doing a great work. If God has called you, God has fired you up, God has given you a passion, and he's called you to do a job, it's a great work. I don't care if it's what it is, what God has called you to. If it's, if it's, God, if it's God ordained, it's a great work. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I am not stooping to your level. I am going to stay on my wall, and I'm going to defend it, and I am going to build it, and I'm going to do the great work. I am not going to stoop. You will not bring me down. You will not bring me down with your lies, with your threats, with your false prophets, with all. You will not bring me down. I am going to complete the work that God has given me. Movement gets you somewhere. You ain't going nowhere unless you move. You got to go. You got to move. You got to move use some energy. You got to go somewhere. You know, we're, we're, we're getting kind of comfy with the whole, like, grocery store delivery thing. It's a blessing, I tell you what. It really is. I love it. We, I like the fact that when I pull up to Walmart and back in, like, go for it. Put it in the back for me. I'll sign the thing. Yeah, sounds good. You just saved me, like, five hours walking around Super Walmart, buying all kinds of stuff I don't need. My wife does not send me to grocery stores because she has the list, and every item on that list correlates to a specific coupon. My wife is an accountant. I didn't know if you know. But, and I, I'm just like, oh, that looks good. Put that in the <laughs> I'm walking down. I have all the stuff that she gave me, but I have, like, other things that I'm just throwing in the cart, too. And she's like, what, what was that? I didn't put this on the list. If you want to get somewhere, you got to move. But moving will get you somewhere. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16, says this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elah in, the fi in 52 days. Now, there's a whole lot of infrastructure and leadership. You could use the book of Nehemiah as a leadership training book. There's so much that went into getting this. It didn't just happen because Nehemiah was up there with you know, a sword and, and some bricks in his hand, he did it by himself. No, there was a mobilization and so many leadership principles, and I'd love to go over that with you someday, but that's not the point. The point is, because Nehemiah was moved, he moved, he caused some unrest, positive, negative motion, and now he's gotten to a different place. He moved, he, he moved somewhere, and the job got done not just because of what Nehemiah did physically, but because he obeyed the voice of God. The thing that fired him up, he took it personally, and he went after it, and the job got done. It would not have gotten done had Nehemiah continued to stay comfortable in the palace bartending. He had to move. He had to do something. Now listen to this. 
And this is the greatest part about it. Because he moved, it was done in 52 days. And when all the enemies heard of it, oh, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. Like, wow, we could have never done that. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished because Nehemiah was such a great guy. Now what he says. The work is accomplished with the help of our God. Oh, folks, good stuff. At the end of 52 days, Nehemiah is standing on a wall made of stones that are crying out praises to God. You hear that? He's standing on a wall made out of stones that are proclaiming the glory of God. And these people around are going, whoa, God's awesome. There's no way human hands could have accomplished this on their own. God was with them. These stones were crying out the praises of God. They cried out that God is with his people. And he helped them to accomplish the tasks they move into. For the glory of his name. For the glory of his name. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. We love that passage. That's a great passage. The problem with, with that passage is the doing. What are we doing? What are we fighting? What, what, what thing are we fighting the weariness for? If you're not doing anything, you don't get weary from doing it. In order to get weary and feel like you want to give up when the Sanballats and the Tobias are raging against you, you actually got to be doing something. The problem is in the doing. See, the previous verse, right before it, it says this, in verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The more you sow... The more you reap, the less you sow, the less you reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. You could do what you want to do, but it's not going to be worth anything. But he who sows, the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If, if we want something that's going to last, something that's going to be meet, we look back at the end of our life and go, that was worth it. My life made a difference for God. He wasn't perfect. Only he's perfect. He wasn't perfect. I think about the story that precedes Nehemiah. Ezra, he goes back. Uh, Zerubbabel went back to rebuild the temple. And Ezra gets back to do the priestly duties. And the people are like, ugh. These temples, the ones who remember the old temple, were like, oh, this is not really very good. It's not perfect. But they did what they could. Zerubbabel went back and he did a job. He had a, he had a vision too. So did Ezra. To rebuild Jerusalem. And it wasn't always perfect. But they got it done. And it was worth their lives. It was worthwhile. Okay? We have to move into something that's worthwhile. All right, I'm almost done. Matthew 28, 18 says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Read that with me. 
all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. You need to put that in your back pocket. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your purse. Put it somewhere where you're going to find it in your purse, ladies, because those purses are crazy. You need to have that one ready. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Then what does it say? It says, go. Move. Do something. Authority has been given to me, and I'm telling you to go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize. Go. Baptize. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach. Do something. Them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me. You go to the work, I will be with you. All authority has been given to me. You move into the work that I've put onto your heart, and I will be with you. Do you see the pattern here? It starts with God, ends with God. If it doesn't start with God, don't bother doing it. While you're in the work, remember, the authority that comes to you is from God and that he will be with you, right? 1 Peter 4, 10, and this is where it comes home. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Well, Pastor, I am not a baptizer. I'm not a speaker. I'm not teaching anybody. I don't, what fires you up? I realized after reading that book that I could not do something. That I needed to do something to help a 12-year-old abused child that I had never met before. Ever. I couldn't not do something. What is it that fires you up, that gets you ticked off, that causes you to grieve, and that you can't get out of your head? If you are a child of God, I guarantee you, I can guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you that that's the Holy Spirit. And if you have any questions about it, talk to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, hey, this is what God's, this is what I feel God is laying on my heart. This is what, this bothers me. What can I do? What do, you, what do, you, do you think this is from God, or was it just a burrito I ate last night? I think they're going to say, let's pray about this. This is probably God. Let's pray about this. And guess what? You just moved somebody. Whoa, that's what leadership is? Yes. It actually is. It's saying, I have a vision. Can you partner with that vision with me? Whether it's through prayer or action. That's in a nutshell. That's what leadership is. It's, it's getting people to move in a certain direction with you. It's not, it's not as difficult as most. Difficult to do well, but it's not as difficult as some people think. Once you start moving, people will move. Use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in the various forms. 
anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. You know what that means? That's not like, that's not arrogance. That's fear. They're saying, if you're going to speak, you better be very careful that you, what you say, because you're speaking for God. Be careful. Make sure you're not just spouting out garbage. Make sure it's, right? If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So, big S-O. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I love the fact that that starts, that ends with an amen. Right? He's not done here. He just told him to go do some stuff. Amen. All right, what's for lunch? No, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a call. It's holy action. And I got to stop because Ariel is going to kill me if I go too far with these kids of like bouncing off the wall, stringing her up by their face masks. Um, here we go. In a nutshell, be moved. Let the Holy Spirit move you. Be sensitive to the working of the Holy Spirit. Let him be moved. Don't be so about you that the things of this world don't move you. Ask God to move you and then move. Step out in the authority of the king of the universe and do something. Just do it. Nike picked it up and it sounds pretty good. Just step out. Do something. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're not going to do it right. So what? Pick yourself up. Put a Band-Aid on it and get going again. It's not going to be perfect. Only God's perfect. But the perfect one, the God of the universe, has given all authority in heaven and earth to his son. And his son says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Would you stand with me? We close in prayer. And I just want you to think right now, uh, as, we, as we're closing this message out, can you think of anything? Can you think of anything? that just bothers you? That sticks in your craw about the plight of the world and the state of people's souls? If not, that's okay. Because we're going to end with an amen, but this sermon evokes action. So go and go find it. Go and find it. Find what moves you. Be moved so that you can move. Lord, I thank you for this moment in time where we can focus on your word. Lord, we want to be people that are used by you. God, we don't want a sedentary, boring Christian. Lord, I pray that you'd move us because you said you'd be with us. And I don't really think that 
means you sit on the couch. I think you want us to be out in the fight, building the kingdom, encouraging people, building people up, saving people, bringing people to you, feeding people, giving people water, clean clothes, these types of things. Why? Why do we do these types of things? So that the gospel may be known, so that your name may be glorified, just like Nehemiah's wall cried out the glory of God, may the work of our hands and the things you call us to speak volumes as to who we are as Christians, who you are as the Savior of the world. It's so hard to convert someone whose belly is hungry. So God, help us to do the work, speak the words, and glorify your name. Move us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So be it, so do it. Right? God bless you guys. Have a great week.